Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you this fine Thursday, the 13th of April, 2023? I am in Amsterdam for Cotton Conf. Later today, I board a train uh, destined for Divox France, but not before. My friend James Ward, a product manager uh, over at Google for Kotlin, and I do a presentation about uh, the latest and greatest. He's been calling it an amuse-bouche uh, for the other other presentations because we'll we'll sort of touch on a number of different things relevant to the Kotlin community, uh, and of course others will then uh, you know deep dive on those different topics. Um, this is going to be fun. I, I'm so. By the way, I think these things are going to be live streamed. Go to Kotlin Conf and, and check for me. I'm not even. I'm not even all that much sure. But somebody told me that they're going to be live streamed, so you could watch them. Uh, they'll be online. You don't have to join the fun uh, or the fray uh, in person, as James and I have and are. Uh, you can just sit and enjoy it from the comfort of your living room. Mind you, this is Amsterdam. So when I say we're going to be presenting in, you know, two and a half hours, that's. Uh, it's going to be very early in the morning for a lot of folks uh, in the States, for example. But maybe they're on, on YouTube. I don't know. I think they're going to be live streamed. Why wouldn't they be on YouTube? Uh, either way, uh, you know, check your local listings. <laughs> um, good stuff. Good stuff. This is, uh, it's been a crazy good week. I, I, I landed on, let's say, Monday. I don't know, Monday. And um, uh, first thing, straight away, I, I did a presentation with uh, the legendary Trisha Gee. Um, uh, on Tuesday, I think it was, at the Utrecht Jug, the Java user group there. It was a double header, so she did a presentation, uh, and then I did one after her, and um, hers was amazing. It was a, it was all about developer productivity engineering, a topic about which I'm, uh, I'm sure you remember uh, Gradle's Justin Riak talking about on this very show, and so she now works at Gradle, uh, and so naturally um, uh, one of the reasons is because she wanted to talk about that stuff, right? It's very, very interesting stuff, and, and you know, it's pretty, it's a fascinating topic and one that I think people would do well to invest in. It's uh, It poses a very simple question. Is the time lost due to inefficient development time processes expensive? If so, how do you recoup it? And it's not particularly sensational. It, it makes a lot of sense, right? You have a bill that takes 30 minutes. Are there ways to turn it into a five-minute build? Would that improve speed and ease of iteration? Yeah, of course it would. And imagine if, if, if you multiplied that 25 minutes across everybody in the team. Now we're starting to talk like real value and real expense, right? That's time where people aren't sure if their code is working, that they're just sort of unable to move forward, right? These sort of optimizations pay dividends. If you start in, improving that speed and if you make it more valuable, if you make that process more valuable of, uh, of getting value and getting and improving uh, uh, fast feedback cycles, it's a good deal. It makes everything better. It's, uh, there's no bad result or outcome from that. It doesn't cost the organization anything uh, that you're not already spending. It, uh, it's not particularly hard a lot of times. I mean, it's just a good thing to do, you know. So it's a really good talk. I, I, I can't hope to... Do it the justice it deserves. I hope if you get a chance to watch uh, Trisha give the performance live or, or, or online or whatever, that you will because it's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, what else? So uh, speaking of Justin, he's back. <laughs> Justin uh, is uh, one of today's guests. In today's episode, he's joined uh, by newcomer to the show, Steve Poole. Now, Steve works at Sunotype, uh, who contributes to Apache Maven. And of course, uh, Justin works at at, uh, at Gradle, which contributed to Gradle. So this is a interesting discussion that we have today uh, about how to improve, um, you know, builds 
and, and developers and to improve their situation without compromising on things like, for example, security. Just a really interesting uh, discussion that um, uh, we have. It was like I was I was blown away because I, I didn't know what I was getting in for. I, you, you've heard me talk about this before. Sometimes I sit down with a group of people and I, or an individual for these for these uh, podcasts, and I think I'm going to learn about whatever their local more re more recent talk track is. Um, and then I get completely surprised. It's just something else entirely and it turns into something else. Or maybe it was always going to be something else and I just didn't understand. Uh, and they had a different thing on, on uh, in their you know, uh, top of mind, you know, that they wanted to talk about. Either way, the results are always fun. And uh, this one was this one was no exception. This is a great interview. Um, so friends, as always, I hope you enjoy. Uh, reminder, there's a great video I did on, uh, well, I mean, Despite me, it's pretty good. Uh, that over on the uh, Jetbrains channel, uh, introducing Spring Boot three. Um, I'll I'll put the link to that here in the show notes. Uh, also, there's a, I wrote an ebook on getting started with AOT and Spring Boot three. Uh, it's free. It's like fifty pages. Uh, you can download it. You just have to fill out the little VMware you know form or whatever. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, and. Uh, if you're at KotlinConf today, say hi. If you're at DevOps France tomorrow, uh, di bonjour, you know, and it'll be great. Uh, and I'll, I think, oh, 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 Justin and I, speaking of Justin, oh, wow, he's kind of uh, in the mix, isn't he? Uh, I'll, I'll, he and I are doing a presentation in the Chicago uh, Kotlin and Java user groups next week. Um, don't, don't miss it, it'll be fun. Have a great one, my friends. Enjoy the episode. Talk to you next week. All right. Again, I haven't, I've never done this before, apparently. I don't know what I'm doing. Hey, so we're live. We did it. We made it to, where are we? Dev Nexus. Dev Nexus. Heck yeah. Atlanta, Georgia. The home of barbecue and great conferences and great software and sports ball sports ball they have sports yeah. ball here there's That's a good the college there's a tech college here it's called georgia tech georgia tech. well you know we have several people on the spring team yes or from georgia tech i was a rambling I was a georgia wreck. tech i was a rambling wreck from georgia tech yeah. back in 1998 whoa yeah you're, you're the old the, days the late 20th century late 20th like, century that's, that's my exactly. daughter delights in reminding me from last century yeah, <laughs> yeah like oh, i just come for the nexus and the aquarium <laughs> <laughs> That's such a thing. It's an impressive aquarium. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. I remember when they built that. So. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, this is my first live stream. Uh, and normally I do my live stream early in the morning. So I don't know how many people are going to get to join us today. But, uh, you know, because normally I think a lot of the folks join me early in California time because it's end of day Europe uh, and evening in Asia. You know, it's so it's they're in a place where they can join me. Here it's end of day East Coast. So. So it's really end of day Europe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're you know, asleep. I'm yeah, getting around. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. I think we can have fun. I appreciate y'all joining me. Oh like, yeah, this is so we'll cool. miss it. Um, uh, anyway, I came here. For, like I said, I came here for the barbecue, uh, and for the the that basically. There's a conference, I guess. There's that as well. Yeah, it's a yeah, Nexus cool. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Largest dev conference in the U.S. now, I think. Oh, after, uh, after Java one, it's uh, well, even I think it's bigger. Well, yeah, it is now. Yeah, yeah and, it's and, bigger. Um, it's, I would have said, so spring one got bigger than Java one mm. a long time ago. Right. But yeah, like we, you know, we, I haven't, we haven't done a 
proper in-person spring one since before the virus, right? Sure. Since 2019. So we'll see yeah. how things go. Uh, I expect it'll be fine, but, you know, my point is, all we know is that right now, this is the biggest in-person event absolutely. Yeah. that, like, last year in the state that we had, you know. There was OzCon for, do you remember there was an OzCon Java for yeah. a minute? Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I remember the last OzCon, because Tim O'Reilly got up, and it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen <laughs> in his keynote, where he's sitting there next to the two platinum sponsor banners, and it's Amazon and Google, and together <laughs> they must have spent collectively, like, half a million dollars or something before the MPOs, who, are, who knows what they spent. And Tim O'Reilly spends... The first 10 minutes of his keynote just trashing both of them <laughs> and their relationship with open source communities and what yeah. they've been doing oh he just went off i was like that you're my hero man <laughs> you just took half a million dollars from these folks and you spent the first 10 minutes of the conference just dragging them <laughs> well i guess there's nowhere to go but up from there right? that's true <laughs> that's good uh it was the last oscon so <laughs> that's true. Was yeah, the last that time. is true. Yeah, yeah. I like this. It's a nice conference. It was a great it's show. Yeah. It was a great show. Yeah. yeah. I don't mean to like. Did you ever get to the uh, food comp, food camp? No, I, I did one. No, was it any good? Yeah. That was uh, the the friends of O'Reilly invite only thingy, and it was. I met the former, like the last term president of Estonia. Oh wow! I met. Uh, Governor Jerry Brown. Wow. Yeah, it was like pretty. That's legit. Yeah, yeah. The, and actually, I met there was a there was a weird confluence of things that I met there too. Is they had a young man who, well, I guess he wasn't that young anymore. But when he was younger, he allegedly I don't even know if it was I don't remember if he was convicted or not. But he was very young, and it was obviously clearly something that you know there there was an argument to be made that he probably shouldn't have been punished so disproportionately as he was. Uh, and I think he shot somebody or something like that. It was a, uh, not good. Don't, don't, don't shoot people. Obviously. Yeah, um, if you take one thing from this podcast today. Yeah. That's good. But, but nonetheless, his life was ruined. Yeah, sure. Because of this. And it was ruined before he even got a chance to, to, to be a man and mm. be a person, be a human being. Yeah. Right. And so it was a, it, he hurt somebody else and he hurt himself. It was yeah. really bad. So after, I don't know, 15 years, whatever, in prison, uh, Governor Brown uh, commuted his sentence or whatever, okay. something like that, yeah. right? Because um, remember, there was a whole, like, I don't know if you remember Moon, Moon, uh, Moon, Shine, Moon, Moon, Moonbeam. Moonbeam. Governor Moonbeam. He was, Jerry Brown was the, called Governor Moonbeam uh -huh. in the 70s. Oh, God, and he was kind of a hippie, yeah, you know, Lucy. Yeah. Left uh, wing guy, except that he had this really strong. The one exception to that was he had this really strong uh, uh, sort of uh, take on on crime. He mm. prosecuted people very unjustly, and I think it was one of the things he regretted. So when he got his second term, thirty odd years hence, he came back and he commuted. undid a lot of that. He commuted, huh. he commuted people's crime sentences. He uh, helped start the process to get people out of prison for marijuana crimes, which was now no longer a crime in the state of California. So, so, so that was one thing. That was one dimension, and he was there. But then, a, that young man was in prison, mm. uh, and he, what O'Reilly had apparently donated, like you know how O'Reilly has these online courses. Yeah. They had don't how did this work? Oh, I guess I guess in the inter, on, there's no internet in prison, right? So they donated these courses to be run locally. Wow. Yeah. And wow. So, so all these people could rehab 
by studying sure. to learn programming and all that kind of stuff, right? Cool. So this, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very really cool. Yeah, really good way to rehab. Yeah, yeah. This young man was studied to be a programmer and had skills, and his sentence was commuted. And so here he was at this conference, O'Reilly's conference, where they where he got his skills and to meet Jerry Brown, where he, who who commuted his time. Wow. And it was just very like, whoa. Yeah, no, seriously. That, you know, that's full that's, circle, man. Yeah, that's you amazing. Know. That's a good lot of PL. I uh, well, it's also the, the, the young yeah. man, you know. Now, Steve, you're a you're a security guy. Oh right, who are you? I forgot. We're just talking. <laughs> I always kind of jump right into it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> What's your, what are you doing on my couch? Get out of here. <laughs> what are you know? Security. I came to clean the room, but so my name is Steve Paul. Nice to meet you. You too. I meet I work for Sonotype. I'm the director of the DevRel group there. Yes. Um Sonotype. Sonotype. Sonotype are the people who provide Maven Central. Oh. And uh, most of the Java developers watching will probably be using Nexus, which is Nexus repo, which is the other thing, and a bunch of other tools that we do. But the most obvious thing in Phoenix, I made the central. So I'm there. Um, I was at Red Hat for about a year. Cool. Uh, and then I was at IBM before then for 28 years. So cool. Because it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but so that's that, what I wanted yeah. to ask you as a security guy, though. If you are already like a criminal, if you're in jail, yeah, and if you're learning to program, yeah, are you a cyber criminal? Ha ha! Is that a dead joke? It's a oh, it was, it was pretty bad. It's so, in five different methods. So, yeah. so the yeah. thing is, is yeah. we do know there's a lot of evidence that says a lot of the I want to say cyber criminalists, but I'm not sure what the right word is. Okay, uh, the, cyber criminologists? No. No, those that commit cybercrime. Oh, oh cyber criminals. So, yeah, sure. so there's there is evidence that a lot of the cyber criminalists, uh, criminals, criminals, yeah, uh, are already doing some other sort of crime, and they literally learn to program. That's interesting. Okay, so we're uh, not completely uh, off base. Yeah. So I have done all stats, but I know that one of the things that's been said quite often is that when they do bust um, crime rings. They'll have a bunch of criminals uh, who are doing drugs or whatever it is they're doing. And then they'll have a, some side issue with doing uh, cybercrime. So there's definitely an aspect to that. And then, of course, you've got all the modern uh, attackers who are professional IT guys. And, they're, you know, and you know, some of those are going to have been subverted to the dark side. Sure, sure. But, some of, them, but some of them will have been alerted specifically. Yeah. So, so there's some truth to that. Yeah. 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 But you're saying that, wait, okay. Don't do crime. That's we're still saying that, right? Yeah, yeah. Probably, it hasn't changed since a minute ago when we were talking yeah, about. Yeah. I'm I'm on the fence. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say don't do crime. Wait, maybe no. there are some that, that sometimes it's honorable. No, no, wait. Let's just say, unless otherwise notified, don't do crime. Yes. Okay. That's okay. Fair. Unless you unless it was like you can make the blanket statement, but there may be some exceptions. Maybe we don't even know, and as as far as we know, there aren't, and uh, except for the removing a tag from a mattress. That's it. You know what? I mean, it's federally prosecuted. I mean, apparently, I don't know. I've never, I've never actually had the. I've committed lots of other crimes. I've never committed that crime. I, I feel like it's so well stated. You're on There's the ambiguity. Yeah. Oh no, as you know, people, people know me. <laughs> What's going on? But, uh, <laughs> uh, I want a refund. <laughs> Wait. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is well, just, this is going well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's keep digging. Yeah, you're so so not related to crime. Yeah, you were at IBM. Yes, 
Awesome. What'd you do there? Uh, JPMs. Oh, I love JPMs. You know, those are the Java's going to be big. I've got a yeah. hundred. Uh, yeah, I think this thing's really going to take off. Yeah. 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 No, I started in the Java team just after it uh, arrived at IBM, but I've been involved. With Jakes and stuff? Yeah, before then. Yeah, so no point. No, I always say I always say I've been doing Java since before it was one. Yeah, yeah, you know. So yeah, and so pretty much that's what I did. JBMs so and JBMs. Have questions. Yeah, I have many questions. Cool. Okay, yeah. so so Jikes and J nine. Yeah. Is there any connection? No. How did we get what? There was there's been two different amazing JBMs. Oh, at least two. We got well, we did more than two. Oh, I'm sure. I'm, yeah. I, I, I yeah. had its own. Language. So J nine was the one that was developed at IBM from the team that came from we bought from um oti that's the name of the oh right okay yeah, yeah so they came in with with i think it was k8 and then they had the next one which became j9 which was i think that's right um but ibm had a bunch of other groups doing jpms we had different platforms different hardware so it was all there's some fairly clean root stuff like that really so yeah so in the I've only I've been doing Java for more than more than twenty years, but that's still not the entire sweep of Java's history. Yeah, and even in my relatively short career, I I can remember two different commercial grade. Yeah, you can buy it now or download it now. JVMs from IBM, that, yeah. and you're saying they had no relationship to each other. That's phenomenal. Well, there were there were others like the Oracle JVM has always just been yeah, yeah the one yeah that they made you know or yeah. Sun JVM whatever. Okay, but that was a massive so. Uh, I don't know, I'm probably forgetting the history here too, but it's a long time ago. The yeah. IBM JVM was for what? I, was it for the IBM I platform and for Because it was one for that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we had ones, well, because at the end, and I did this out on, I reckon we were like 20 something platforms. Okay. So different, okay. OS, scooping up so different, different OSs, yeah. truly different architectures. Right one, one. Yeah. And then, you know, different chips, different. Um, uh, Bit size and stuff like that. So, such a massive machine. Yeah. Yeah. So we had so def, so there were ones on the mainframe, there were ones on I series and stuff like that. And some some were related and some were not. So it was just a matter of in in some ways it was how easy was it to port? Because obviously at the end of the day you take a code base and you you port. Yeah. Sure. You know? Well, I mean especially the native C plus plus bits yeah. at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. It's all, yeah, it's the end of the day, isn't it? That's the the ironic thing is is that because uh, you have people joining my team, they how to write Java. We go, well, we don't really do that. We don't see and C plus plus machine language. Yeah. So which came first? Was it was it out of a chicken? Like like what? late? <laughs> the was it was it out of here? Chicken. You're right here. Was it chicken? Yeah. yeah. Um. So was it? So you had like you have the web sphere product. I mean, you had like all the IBM commercial JE stuff or J two E stuff as yeah. we were back then. Was it out of a necessity for IBM to try to control everything down to the JVM level that some of these were adopted, or did the JVMs come first and then there was an investment in J2EE? Uh, well, I'm just trying to remember. The primary thing is, is like all this stuff is like, if you're what, what's your business model? You're providing some high quality software, so it's going to be performant, and you've also got to provide support for this. So it's usually in your best interest. To have the whole stack sure. so that you can control it sure you know, because then you can optimize across the whole stack and you can then provide support because it's your code you know i mean the thing is that you know is we look at we are we're in this wonderful industry of open source but actually uh from a commercial point of view you don't really want to do open source you do it for other reasons but mostly you do you know it, you want having a closed 
closed model where you're completely controlled it is what you really want as a business as a business yeah sure. yeah. yeah 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 gives you more leverage yeah um so so what was the genesis of jikes then uh so there was a research project so I there's an enormous re um yeah. research group yeah and when java came out there was this cambrian explosion within ibm and everybody was going we're going to use java and then the research teams were out figuring out to make it faster and jokes was was one of those outputs there was all sorts of stuff that came that was out. a commercial day game at some point or am i getting that no wrong? it wasn't no okay. it was it was um just research yeah it was just research mm. but then it got it got open sourced okay yeah and then j9 was an acquisition yes okay and because and then jake's also i remember being really fast like it, it wasn't necessarily always up to date, but I remember there was like some, there was a time when it was like the really, really fast one. Yeah, yeah. But that was J Rockets came out. Yeah, there. and there was some trade-offs, as always. Sure. Yeah. So the original compile native thing before we roll. Yeah. Uh, there was it was always it was a hard thing, and it didn't. It there were a lot of corners cut. No, that's the wrong way of putting it. There were there were de deliberate decisions about what you were going to support, what you weren't. Mm. You know, and way way back in the midst of java there was this thing point where people were going well we, we can't support jvms they're too slow so let's do a compile native thing and so there was that branch oh. of, of history well excelsior i remember that yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, there was a whole bunch of them yeah. coming up most of them not particularly good because it's actually really hard to do well didn't j plus plus report to do something like that i don't remember um, from Microsoft, yeah. Like, who remembers? I just remember adding extras. You know, the whole week. You know, embrace and extend. Right. Yeah. Period. Yeah. That was colorful time in yeah. the history. Yeah. Okay. So, so JVMs turns out gonna be they're gonna be big yeah. and no small part thanks to you. Yeah. Uh, and and then who are you? Wow. Oh, I I do a little of this, a little of that. So I'm Justin. I'm field CTO over at Great. All my background is primarily in writing code, I wrote code for a long time and moved into more enterprise architecture. Uh, and then um, was running a team of enterprise architects for a while, always gravitating towards like open source in the, uh, in the, uh, in the enterprise. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, um, uh, Gradle came across my LinkedIn looking for somebody who wanted to evangelize and be a field CTO for this emerging practice called developer productivity engineering or a DPE. And I hadn't heard of that before. Um, and I looked into it and I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. Looking back at a lot of the stuff that I've been doing around open source, it was always about developer productivity, right? right. I mean, it's get your hands on high quality software quickly and get to work and, and don't, don't worry about all the red tape and bureaucracy, right? So it was easy to transition then to talking about just a pure productivity practice. Um, and then Steve and I did our first talk together at Fuji Day, JConf. In Chicago last year, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. tried to do one earlier, but we didn't. We yeah, but it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we couldn't met each other. Uh, I, I literally so I came in, did the talk with Steve, then flew out the afternoon to oh, okay. um another show. Yeah. I don't remember which one. Um, but so so there is you know all this nice overlap between the work that Sonotype is doing in terms of trying to improve developer security without impacting productivity. As much as possible right and then of course the work that we're doing at gradle which is all about accelerating productivity through engineering so tomorrow we're going to go give a talk uh, uh at dev nexus kind of about that you know so steve is going to say hey these are modern uh, security practices that you need that you, you no longer 
it's no longer a question, right? You like, must do this if you want to be a responsible. Productive security. Pro, yeah, yeah. But you don't have to sacrifice productivity if you are balancing that with a good productivity strategy. Um, so yeah, that's where I came from, what I do. Uh, so I run the advocacy team at Gradle, uh, provide some enablement for our sellers and mostly do PowerPoint. <laughs> um, but you were on the show before. I was. I, uh, I was on Beautiful Podcast. Yeah, yeah. This is the yeah. podcast. It'll be this will be an episode of the podcast. We're just live streaming it now. Oh, so got you. I'm crossing okay. the streams, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna use this on YouTube, and then I'll just strip out the video and put that on the podcast this week, probably. Got you. Uh, uh, or maybe not. I don't know. You know. Uh, but but eventually it'll get released as a podcast. So, you know, thank you for the um, free content. Oh, it's fun. Sure. I love them online. You know they pay people that go on to like the late night show like five hundred bucks. Isn't that crazy? That's, go, but that's real money. Platform. I, it is. Yeah. Get paid for this. I, I made you buy me the coffee today. Yeah. Oh look, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. He did. Yeah. I made yeah. him buy me the coffee. Like, yeah. Not only did we not give you a five hundred dollars stipend each for coming, yeah. but I made you buy coffee. It was. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you need the exposure. Yeah, I do. I, I need the platform, yeah. frankly. So sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, okay. So okay. So this this whole when you talk about productivity, what are some yeah. of the key specifics that we can talk about that are uh, uh, when I think of secure when I think of productivity, I think of a lot of different things. What are some of the things that might otherwise be thought to be uh, diminished by the need for security? Things that you would strive for, but for security. So. And Steve, you probably do a better job. So I was going to say, so yeah, the reason that we, the reason we have this conversation is yeah. because we were talking about it was this weird sort of you know we had this sort of anti epiphany. We were talking about how do we structure this talk, and then we were talking about why we're doing it, and then then we got into the subject of because I was saying I talk to developers about uh, security, and they're always going you know, productivity, productivity is important. And mm -hmm. I talk to them and one of the things they say is you should write security tests for the components that you use. Yeah. Because you should be making sure that, you, that it still behaves the way you expect. You know, not like you don't write thousands of tests, but you write some. And you talk to developers and they go, no, my manager wouldn't let me do that. Wouldn't let me write tests for the thing components I'm choosing. And in fact, some of them had said, Oh, we once we prove the test, the security tests work, you know, like like the OAuth stuff works, we turn them off because my manager says it gets my productivity. Uh, oh, I mean you mean during development, not yeah. production, of course. Yeah. Oh, oh. So it's like a stats, extra content. Yeah, so we have so we yeah. have this developers literally being told don't focus on security. And then we have this big looming cloud coming down, which is, you know, all about cyber attacks and and what's happening in that space, which is making the problem worse, but developers are actually reducing their tests, their security, and wow. the aid of productivity. So we were talking about how you explain to developers is a bad thing. How do you show them that they need to invest in productivity? And how do you show them that they can actually be productive and safe at the same time? Okay. So that's literally what we're trying to constructed at all that's now i have yeah. i only have one rule in the show yeah uh and uh, and that is to not make spring security lead rob winch sad and i feel like we're already doing that <laughs> so let's turn this thing around how do we how do we what are some specific ideas of productivity 
where people are saying security should take a back seat, and then what are some things we can do to put it back in the front seat? Well, so take it. So, so, so think about the tests, for instance, right? So yeah. you're you're coming up with a whole bunch of tests. Um, one of the things that we do in developer productivity engineering, one of the techniques that we recommend is something called predicted test selection, which uses machine learning to look at a history of how changes to the code base have impacted tests in the past oh, wow. and tries to predict, hey, is this test probably just going to succeed under these conditions? Because if it is, don't bother running it, pre-merge. Post-merge run everything, pre-merge though, right. you can skip this stuff, right? So that's one example, right? Okay, we may have additional tests now that have to be run as part of the set, and that might make the build or the cycle time longer. But if we optimize the test set, then we'd actually bring in the cycle time and only be running the tests that we know are gonna be relevant for the current context. Oh, wow. So is that on CI when you do a pull request? It's actually local. Local. Yeah. So you're also the AI is monitoring your code locally. So uh, this is a technique that was developed by Meta and, and Google, and they released a white paper back in 2019 called Predictive Test Selection. You can look at it. It's in the Facebook research uh, section. Did, did, I think we talked a little bit about it maybe in the last podcast. Yeah, because it's like the third leg. Of the, it's the third leg of the um, acceleration technology. You got catching, test distribution, and predictive test selection. I see. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it came out of the, the labs of Meta and Facebook, but it uses the XGBoost library, which if you're familiar at all with the machine learning libraries, it's not a deep learning library. It's a, it's a gradient boosted uh, decision tree model. So it uses a regular CPU. It doesn't need a, a GPU or anything like that, um, but it, it can be super effective. It's like, okay, we have to add this, these additional testing steps and that's gonna increase our cycle times but we can use another technique to balance that, optimize it, right? And potentially even make it make it even shorter than it was before. And we can also look at things like caching, we have build caching, we have test distribution. And then there's also the whole reliability aspect of this stuff too. What if these security tests are acting flaky, right? And can you rely on them? And and uh, and what kind of analysis can you do to make sure that the tests you're running are, are valuable? Right, yeah. So. <clears throat> okay, so that's amazing. And then, uh, I think I, I think we out my, my brain. Uh, uh, I believe it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I we had a one of your distinguished competitors focusing on just that. That is true. On the um, yeah, I want to say maybe was it Engflow, maybe Build Buddy Launchable. Launchable was it Launchable? Kosuke Koga, yeah, the guy who created Jenkins. That's yep, yep. Yeah, Launchable's got a really nice approach, actually. I uh, can't say anything bad about their tech. It's good. Uh, it's a good implementation and predictive. It's a little too bound to CI, in my opinion. Uh, but we have the luxury of, you know, working for Gradle, indirect, you know, right there at the build tool level, we have our integration. So. Nice. Yeah. And and I'm sure there's something similar. Yeah. I, know what, same, I was thinking, what do we offer? So one of the things that we that you have is, Obviously, dependency manager. So, how much time and effort do you spend fixing vulnerabilities? So, uh, what Sonotype's got here is the because we run Maven Central and we've got a whole bunch of data, data analysis going on. Right. We're looking at the behavior of the ecosystem. And so, we can all, and again, because we've got the Java code, we can look at like, well, breaking changes so we can look at the different versions of root dependency so we we're now working on adding into maven central more advice so that when you select oh, wow so when you select a component you don't just go i mean you know it's like, it's like hey i want a left path thing okay so i google for it i go 
to Maven Central to get the coordinates, to get the latest version, I plug it in and done. But now we're saying for a whole bunch of other reasons, when you make it, when you choose a version or even just a component, you've got to be much more savvy about why you're choosing it. And one of the things that we can do in this just a productivity point of view is to go, look, there are five versions. Picking the latest version might be your first choice, but it might actually not be the most optimal one because we may have evidence that shows that other people have moved to that and moved off right? because we can see the patterns of behavior. So what we're trying to do is codify that and quantify it. So there are some experimental tools on that we can go play with, trying to give people information so that when you choose something, you have a lot of good advice. You know, like, you know, it's like, um, there are three versions, 90% of the population choose that one. You know? And also, because uh, we can see, for instance, that uh, if you have a sequence of um, versions, and we can see that the population, both the Java developers chose this version, and then five minutes later chose another version, you can reckon that, that probably that first version is not a good one. Who chooses the version, then five minutes later chooses another? Because it's, it's traffic. Because book. it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you start it up. It's like, oh well, that's yeah. my computer's on fire. <laughs> Sometimes it's simple, as in just the dependency of that dependency is oh, not good, and and so you have all that sort of chip. So productivity, just simply being being more conscious of how you choose software, how you choose dependencies. So that's that's one thing. That's good that it's built into the process too. But I I always go back to you also, and it's like. Yes, developers are at least the, the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, more security, it's going to be harder to do my job. And it's always been yeah. that trade-off, you know, between yeah. like security and productivity. But um, I think that the, what is the biggest productivity killer is the announce of a public vulnerability. I mean, every Java shop in the world stopped everything they were yeah. doing for a week when log for shell hit, yeah. and it was a productivity nightmare. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay, you're, yeah. you're going to pay it yeah. forward a little bit here. but And what, again, what we noticed with Log4J, because Log4J, so here's the, the horrible statistic, is even now, 30% mm -hmm. of the versions of Log4J downloaded from Open Central are vulnerable versions. Yeesh. Yeah, right. And you, we have a nice dashboard. You can go see the horror story. But hidden away in that is this, the there's, there's, this there's this lovely little bit of data that shows that for a fraction of the world, they updated within, I don't know, hours. And they were done. Yeah. And then there was a load of other people that were later. Mm -hmm. And when you talk to developers about it, there were a lot of anecdotal evidence of, you know, you, you, know, you, you ask people how many people who was affected. And you get the horror stories. And and a lot of them were yeah, developers coming in, being asked to address the problem, and didn't even know where to start because they'd never had to worry about sure. discovering where the where the you know where, where there's dependency deployed and stuff like that. Ah, uh, yeah. so that was an interesting thing. We we yeah. we, you know, sat on the Spring team as I am. Yeah, we we don't enable it. We don't enable Log4j to by default. You get SLF4j. So sure. So there was a huge freak out, a huge panic. Obviously, the whole world broke out in hysterics yeah. on the news of this vulnerability. And, and the first thing we had to do was like, unless you opted in, you're probably fine. Yeah. You're like, you, you know, yeah. And you have to teach people how to like look at the yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And then that gets you into the other challenge for this is the, the STA tools out there, you know, software composition analysis tools that you use to work out what you've got yeah. are variable. 
Mm. Right? Because you get paid your money, you get your choice, and you can get really simple ones or you can get really good ones. But because they are seen as just tools to fix a chore, right? Nobody has ever really, you know, companies only assess them from that point of view. You know, how good is this tool finding a bug? What's the data like? I don't know. What does the company invest in? What? How deep does it scan? Right. And I always say, hey, write some tests. You're a job developer. You can figure out how to hire the class in a class file. Right. So do that and see if these tools can find it. You know. Yeah. You know. And so again, these are all important things to do. But in terms of the talk we're doing, we're going. They all get in your way. Yeah. You know, there are brighter, better ways of doing of running your life as a developer that doesn't involve these panicky things. You could just be more considered. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And we and again we got because of what we've got with maintenance, we can we've got good evidence coming out of this. And we've also been working, a lot of people working with the Linux Foundation. So as you can imagine, because of uh, the executive order last year was it last year year before it's year before yeah more i think exactly. Jesus. which was let's fix the problem yeah the the big foundations are getting involved and are working out what are reasonable checks to apply so wait what executive order uh, oh, the, the white house mandate to provide a software bill materials uh, for anybody who's no. using open source in there the executive order the only one we care about yeah so you so you have the executive order so the thing is Governments don't understand software. Really? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so they treat it as good. It's not a big truck. It's a series yeah, of tubes. Yeah, yeah. But they don't. They treat it as commodity. They so they treat that's what we have all this supply chain conversation. Because yeah. it's all about supply chains. So they have a big stick. And the big stick is I'm going to make it your problem. You are not allowed to deliver software with vulnerabilities in. And that's going to be your problem. And so that then gets you into how do you assess this? How do you make sure that you're progressing? And so everybody's working, you know, honestly, Linux Foundation, CNCF, OpenSSF, all those guys are working on what makes a reasonable set of checks to mm. assess somebody. So we're working with those. We've got our own ideas because we've got the own data. So this is just for open source or what is this? No, basically for open source. If you're using open source, yeah, in yeah. which everybody. But the rules, the thing is, that it turns out the rules applies to everybody. Because what it shows is good good engineering practices keep you safe. But what is the so the rule is what? What is the rule? So the rules are simple things like do you have a security MD file? MD file mark that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, in the GitHub repo, repo yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, so that gets you one point. Okay. Well, it's that sort of thing. Um through to things like do you do code review? Okay. Right. Uh so there's there's I don't know, it's about 10, 15 different of these variations. It's all about Basically, good security practices. Sure, and your mandate is keeping on software build materials too, yeah. which is why yeah. that S bomb thing blew up so so acutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you need so S bombs are, well, they're not the panacea, but they're such a great medicine because an S bomb gives you better insight into the details of the things you're using. Yeah, so it's easier. To, you don't have to worry too much about whether the scanning tools are any good because you've actually got a bill of materials that tells you what you've got. Caveats, they were cool. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's like everybody's going to produce S bombs. And then eventually everybody will have to fulfill these criteria. And then there's a whole bunch of rules coming around um, automating everything because they want no human beings. The ideal solution is that when you create a release of software, a human being presses the button to initiate it, but every single step is automated. Because if you allow a human being involved, then it could be compromised. Exactly. So you're talking about continuous delivery at that point? Yeah. yeah okay. But actual continuous delivery. Right. Now, well, yeah. I mean, the, 
gated behind a big green button. That's it, yeah. right? Yeah. And with an evidence chain. With it, yeah. So that's the other word you'll hear. Evidence, audit trails, proof. Have you got Office. a validity process? You know, a whole bunch of what in, you know, a good software engineering practices, but now where this is going to trickle down and a, and a bunch of software engineers who haven't been used to this are going to get this is going to become part of their life i mean so when did it take effect uh so uh, soon next year 2000 so every company that uses open source no so the rule so the, rule? the first the first gate is if you want to supply software to the u.s government okay that's the first gate the eu have their own thing they're trying to do and i'm not quite sure what i mean this it's on an accelerated time scale but i'm not sure what the 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 details are about who's going to be affected, but it's the beginning of it, right? And of course, if you're supplying software to the US government, then wherever, whatever software you've got and eventually whatever services you will you use are going to be required to do that. You can see it's going to trickle down. The whole intent of this is that you have to fix the supply chain. Mm. So not just the software supply chain, the whole physical supply chain. But to your point too about the quality of the tools, we have to be careful, right? Because there's a little bit of a Goodhart's paradox emerging here where it's like, okay, yeah. you will be allowed to continue to provide software to the government if you check these boxes. Yeah. But we have no idea that the box that you checked was checked in a high quality way. Exactly. Yeah. Who 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 guards the well, gatekeeper? Right? Yeah. So this when you so let's say you're providing a a, a library that prints out some really high quality ASCII artwork yeah. on the console, right? Uh, and you're doing it, and it's a dependency that you've released. It's on GitHub, it's Apache 2 licensed, and you've released it onto Maven Central with no intent that anybody from the government should pick it up. Yeah. It's not your problem. It's not your fault. Uh, sorry, it's not your problem. Yet. No, no. no. The, the subtlety is that the open source project itself doesn't have to do the work. Okay. Mm, well, but, example, but the person who takes your code and supplies it Ah, is the person on the hook, the aggregator. So the EU, what the EU are trying to do uh, is they're trying to apply the same rules as they would apply to like physical devices. So I say that my, the, the analogy would be like, if you shipped a car and the airbags didn't work and you knew they weren't working, <sighs> you'll be liable. So what they're trying to get is to make you liable for shipping software with known vulnerabilities. That's the, the first state they want to get to. But aren't they always known and published? On you know, no, no, no. That you know, you have to you'd have to prove you didn't know that had that had vulnerability, which you could theoretically do by saying, "Oh, well, we scanned it using whatever tool, and it didn't come up with anything, so yeah. we're not liable." Yeah, but that's where the good heart comes oh, in. That's yeah, that's yeah. you wave hands on how that's all gets. Well, but even there, like, what about so vulnerabilities are a lot of times you get vulnerabilities that are raised that are just nonsense because they don't actually apply. To, yeah, they're just user. Yeah, if you did this, and yes, you're vulnerable, but that's just like saying if you open the door, it's going to get colder. You know, but you're not exploitable necessarily. Yeah, it's not like just because it's possible to use this software in a particular yeah. way doesn't mean yeah. my I agree. Okay, we're not we're not even talking. Yeah. This is the intent, and then there's the whole detail about uh, what happens if that vulnerability is not applicable. What happens if that vulnerability's got a low score? Right, what and then happen? what does knowing mean? Does that you know, or is it somebody else self assessing assessing you? I mean, I I I have no idea whether these details are in there. I suspect not. We need lawyers. Mm. Next year, lawyers. lawyers. Yeah. They have lawyers. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, let's train developers to be lawyers. Yeah. Wait, no. Oh, God. Well, it's probably easier than training lawyers to be developers, to be honest. Yeah. 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 Lawyer next. 
Yeah. That's the next conference. Yes. Lawyer That's next. That's Deacon <laughs> Glenn. Get on. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. Wait. So uh, this is terrifying. Yeah. But yeah. it's also pretty good because, you know. Oh, so if you want to know why we're doing this. No. No. Of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 I do. But, um, but it's, it's in the service of this terrible thing is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. But it also it reminds me of that. I'm just a little worried because now they sent that poor, they, they got that, whoever that, uh, whoever the Volkswagen emissions scandal. Oh, right? yeah. And, and it's just like, well, yes, the engineers were uh, in the process, but it, they shouldn't have taken the lion's share of the blame. You know, it was not just them, right? It was clearly they were being directed. You should have checked some balances. Yeah, there's a systemic issue here. And I'm yeah. worried it's going to be, there's, this is just the way it making engineers scapegoats again. The thing is, this isn't really a problem that we want to dodge. Sure. No, no, you're right. Yeah. You should definitely address it. Yeah. But it's but it, as you're right, but it sick. needs to be addressed in a way that is achievable. Yeah. You don't want people to have wiggle room, but then you don't want to put too much of a load on them, which is why we ended up with this thing about, well, you these developers are going to get a lot of chores. Some developers are going to get there now, some in 10 years' time, but it's coming. But it's the company that gets held liable, not the individual developer. Uh, yeah, I believe it'll be some particular role when the company gets out of It's the same as if, you know, yeah, you know. But it's not like, so, I mean, if there's prosecution involved, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like somebody working for an LLC or some, some right. court. But you imagine you're working in a company and, you, and you're delivering software and now somebody in that company is criminally liable right. if you ship for known vulnerabilities. So not the company is... Yeah, because well, I, well, I don't know about you in the company is criminal. You, you, okay, you, that is different. That is actually... We are not lawyers, lawyers, by the way. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> yeah. We're just... We're just shooting the shit. Yeah. yeah. So we have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Literally nothing. Uh, he does. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> but... Um, okay, so that is... But that's 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 interesting to know, right? I mean, whether one person could be held criminally liable, even if they work for a corporation... For knowingly shipping log4j 1.2.16 or whatever. But then, they, I mean, because you can think like, okay, the company gets held liable, they get sued, they obviously fire the person, right? I mean, that's the natural order of things. But now we're saying that this person could actually be held individually accountable for criminal charges. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Color me nervous. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. get into sculpting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we want to be that. Want to be on Yeah. You don't. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Well, then that's actually a huge sector for yeah. You know, a lot of and, I'm and, sure you and you know because everybody's connected to everybody. Th this trickles down. Yeah. Because it isn't because what happens? You may go. So if you're the supplier to the government, then everything that you get, uh, you are responsible too. Right. Sure. Right. So and and so you may be buying software or service for somebody else. Right. And and we haven't even talked about what happens when we talk about like software services because nobody's got their head around that. So oh, this yeah, this whole conversation is not fully baked, and it's there's for the last two years easy there have been significant conversations with the biggest companies and the governments and military and every trying to work out what makes sense because nobody wants to come up with a policy. That we pay lip service to because the problem's too important to yeah. fix. Sure, we need to fix it. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, uh, at, at I work at a place where we've always had this very strong like culture of doing that. I didn't realize there's a new order 
to be honest with you, I just didn't, I might have known that a couple years ago and love for Jay was still fresh in our minds, but I, I, we've just always had that, right? And I now I realize that this is, that must have been really hard for people to learn that. Yeah. I don't know because it's been so long since I didn't know that stuff yeah. that I'm now well, starting to worry. The, 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 the art we are state now is, is that generally, again, if I talk to people and you ask them, you get, if they've been, if the company's been hacked, mm. then they know exactly what to do and they focus on it. If they've not been hacked, then, no yeah. yeah, because it's one of those things, it's like, it's a weird thing. It's like playing Russian roulette mm. with, a, with a cylinder, well, with a thousand bullets in it or a thousand empty chambers. It's like, you keep pulling the trigger because you think, you know, hasn't happened yet, hasn't happened yet. Yeah, 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 eventually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't, again, don't do that. What did we say at the very beginning of the show? Yeah, yeah. no, no violence, no, no, violent. no yeah. crime, yeah. except for crime that made not no. crime here. Yeah. I, I, I recanted. No crime at all. Period. Just yes. be good. Except, I think you said it is okay to cut the tag off the mattress. No, I, I regret everything. <laughs> I just, I don't think I even did that. It was an accident. I tripped and fell on the scissors. Uh, likely story. Yeah. Uh, Shouldn't run the scissors. Uh, or I just stay home. <laughs> just stay home. Stay home. Stop coding. Get off the computer because you're going to get arrested immediately yeah. if you code now because everything's vulnerable. I. Let, just read a book. <laughs> Why are we even going to Dev Nexus? I yeah. feel like we should just go home. This is like it's a terrifying yeah. place over there. It's a sea of toxicity and, yeah. and violence and criminality. Yeah, don't do anything. Yeah, stay home. Just, just stop what you're doing right now. Stop coding. I, go outside. Yeah, it's a beautiful I day. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to go. No. I don't know enough about. This is the thing: is I don't know enough about security. I know the. The basics so right now all i can tell you is my understanding is it's shipping knowingly shipping vulnerabilities yes right and which we will add all the caveats of we don't know how that would be checked we don't yeah. know what the rules would be about levels yeah. because cve uh, cvs are scored by human beings you know so there's all sorts of opportunities to hide this and in fact the other because the other thing is that you're supposed to provide an s-bomb mm -hmm. So is there is there a standard format for Nesbom or maybe independent? Yeah, no, they 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 selected government Cyclone DX and SPDX are the two. They've said there are at least there's at least one more. So there's quite a few. Wait, 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 sorry, wait, what, what were the ones? So SPDX, okay. which you would have heard about, yes, probably if you'd done some sort of license management. And the other one is Cyclone DX, which is an XML based one. But Brevity, when you want Brevity. Go XML. Yeah. Well, no, I can't, the, I can't current, the current SPDX is the 2.0 version, which is based on this one that you'd seen, which is all the single line records. Right. But they were, they're developing a new version, which is designed to do BLS authorized. So when version three comes out, we'll have something that's useful. The Cyclone DX has always been designed as an SPOM. Okay. So, you know, it's just an XML tagging thing. But at the end of the day, they're just mechanical ways of representing SBOMs, and eventually oh. they'll be interchangeable. Where does this representation where does this manifest where does this thing live in this like if i what is it let's say yeah. i'm a government uh and i'm buying a database do i hand over the binary the tarball for the database and then this s-bomb yes and, and some way of proving that the s-bomb is, is tied to the is that, yeah so you will hear about six stores which are sort of related to that that's the other thing because the other people are going well where do i put the keys for this. How do I prove this digital signature for these things? So now we'll ledger six store. Yeah, yeah. In. So the door six yeah. six store. Six, six store. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a CNTF group around that. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. So that people are trying all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. There's so the, or there's Persia. The, it's like uh, S bombs. We now currently S bombs are generated with uh, after the fact. So you create an artifact, you apply a tool, you get it. Well, that's okay. But it's as good as the tool is. So if the tool is not very good at understanding what you build, Right. So it's, it's okay. So the tool may be close to your build process, but I could, in theory, I, you can give me a jar and I can apply an S bomb tool to it and it's going to tell me whatever it can tell, work about on that jar. If, uh, if I've got a POM, then I can actually build a tree for dependencies. So it depends on the information, it depends on the tools. I was going to say, some of this is yeah. a jar is one thing, but what about a ground game in an image? You're going to have to do the build. Yeah. Build that gradle upon that. Yeah, what about Golang? Yeah. So what's the S bomb look for that if you build it after the fact? Well, yeah. you don't get to see all the source code that came in. Stack a link to stack yeah. link. So so you can see there's a lot of work to be done to turn these S bombs into something useful. Right now, most of them are post processing. And that still means there's a gap. It's problematic. Yeah. Because yeah. it could be because you, could be you can create an object, you know, compile it, zip it up. Yeah, somebody can some malware and then you create an S-bomb. So there's still a thing. So the Nirvana is the, the compilation tools, the packaging tools will spit out S-bombs as part, yeah. Or which would be, I'm on the record as saying Gradle should be doing this. Everyone I've been yeah. yelling about it for two yeah. years. The other option, <laughs> which make which is probably more pragmatic, is that just like when GDPR came out. And we started, and everybody went, oh, we can't do this. It's too much hard work. And then companies started turning up saying, we'll do it for you. You can see that one of the driving forces here might end up being people providing uh, certified build processes because oh. they can be, you know, in, so not one where you control the detail, but you basically, here's my code, turn it into a package yeah. and, and it's all done for you. Oh, uh, GitHub Actions. Yeah, get on this. GitHub Actions yep. is on a Persia, yep. Persia yep. project. So there's, lots of yep. so there's, there's all sorts of options on the on the table for doing these things. Yeah, yeah, I like. It. And then, so what about the story around containers? Because there's the provenance of the binary itself, and then all the layers in the. Ah, uh, yeah. And so you've got to figure out not only that what's in the layer that you've got, you've got to figure out what's been hidden. Mm because obviously you can't remove things, you just hide them. And then you've got to then connect to an arbitrary set of binaries inside a container and work out what the S-bomb. The ultimate goal is that all S-bombs are joined so that each S-bomb can point to the digital signature of another mm -hmm. S-bomb. We're not there yet. Right now we tend to do first level. Or um, with Java, we can do the dependency tree. Right. But if you, point, if you point a tool at a Docker container, you're, I don't believe, and you had Java in there, I don't believe you get a, a Java S-bomb. You just get, oh, I found Java SDK, blah, 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 as right. part of the S-bomb. But again, it's all good steps, and people need to understand why we're doing this. That's why Perseus started with the Docker registering, said that they actually went straight to Docker images because it was one of the harder problems to solve. Yeah. Pretty easy to solve when you can generate a dependency tree. Yeah. Even, I mean, to your point, any type of mid-step is, is an opportunity for somebody to come in and compromise that. Yeah. Which is why you know having it at the build to a level really would be awesome for Gradle, Maven, any, any of these things to be able to produce yeah. the S bomb yeah. right there. Because you know, being able to compromise that, I mean, sure, of course, it could be done. You know, you could somehow get into the build API, or you could mess with the yeah. daemon. Yeah. But no, I I think having what we've got, where we can generate them now, and people get used to it, 
that's a good step. Yeah. They get developers used to the fact that S-bombs come out and they can use them. I mean, one of the things we built recently, we tool plug, it's called Bomb Doctor. It's a free visualizer. What is it? Bomb Doctor, B-O-N, Doctor. Oh, Bomb, yeah. Bill of Materials Doctor. Yeah, so you can, the idea is you can go look at your Java bomb. So, I mean, you can Google for it, but it's, a, it's just an experimental tool we put together because it lets you visualize your dependency tree. And that's what S-bombs do for you. S-bombs give you the detail and then you visualize it. And what's been interesting is showing that with developers, how often developers have no idea of how big their dependencies are. Mm. I mean, even though, you know, it's like you do Maven um, package and you get that long list of stuff that's downloading. Yeah. And you say, oh, okay, shrug your shoulders. But once you start visualizing it and you go, oh, that's going to that, it's going to that, and you go, oh, my choice brought in 10 other packages. And suddenly you feel like you're more in control. You know? Yeah. You know? So, well, you know, no. yeah. Well, and it underscores what we know too, which is then you had brought the statistic yeah. out earlier, but that 90% of the average software project is just open source dependencies yep. downloaded from God knows where. Yeah. That's where I did. A, I do a whole talk on, um, actually contributed a chapter to a book on software quality, talking about fuzzing. Yeah. And the, the case that I made, and we're, we're way off, um, it's going to take time, but applying deep learning to uh, evolutionary generative fuzzers, I think, solves this problem in a totally different way, right? So whereas we could do a software bill of materials that infers, scans, logically puts together a bill of materials, a fuzzer with deep learning applied could actually just take any standalone pro theoretically, any standalone program that has never even seen before and start taking it through all these different execution paths, which could be recognized as potentially exploitable or vulnerable features by a deep neural network, by a, a network that's capable of doing recognition. Yeah. And then what you could do is you could have a fuzzer, literally that's just like, okay, this software, I've now blasted it all these different inputs and I'm using deep learning to evolve the inputs in a way that's causing interesting states to happen. And now I'm capturing those interesting states. Yeah. And and I'm and I'm so so, so thanks for giving the bad guys ideas. <laughs> but actually, that sort of thing that happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Of course, it does. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's how a lot of these vulnerabilities are discovered, right? Is through is through fuzzing. And I mean, Google has what cluster fuzz that they're running Can against. You say that? Cluster fuzz. Oh, okay. Cluster fuzz. Yeah. Um, which they're running against, like some multi tens of thousands yeah. of open source projects that they're fuzzing right now. Yeah. They've a lot of vulnerabilities that come out of that. There's going to be interesting approaches that'll take automation. We, we used to employ a guy, Jonathan Lyshek. He works for the Open uh, SSF now, uh, but he worked for us for a little while in the build tool. And he's got he's doing crazy things with uh, code QL automation. So the, yeah, the, the thing is, though, most of the problem isn't about the actual vulnerabilities in the open source projects. It's about the fact that the people who are using them don't update. Mm. Yeah. Right. So almost always, like Log for J, when Log for J came out, I know we said, oh, it hit. They announced it. There was a fix. So, yeah. So we do. Yeah. Pretty much every vulnerability out there, there is a version with a fix. Yeah. But it's the problem we have is is a people knowing that they actually have a problem. Hence, what we see with Log for J, with thirty percent of people don't realize that they're still downloading old versions, and then when they do know. The actual proving they fixed it because the number of companies who were going, are we affected? Don't know, because you know they'll have the the curated thing, 
where they've got tools, you know, like uh, internal repos and things which have got controls on them, and they can manage that. And then you have the developers who can who've just gone straight off to public repos. Yeah. So you have companies going, I don't even know whether we have log for j because we let our developers control their dependencies. When do you see do you see companies who because theoretically semantic versioning and dynamic patching on patch releases is like what this was was built for, right? We're in this we're in this yeah. DI, we're saying I will take any patch release of log4j 1.2.x, whatever. The next time you build me, grab. 2.6.17, was that basically what the, the companies in the early echelon, you said that some of these companies had it fixed like within a day, 24, 48 hours, they were good. Yeah. Or is that kind of the approach? The ones I, the, the ones, the, so I can't say I've connected to the ones that we sent the data for, but the one people that I have talked to have highly automated processes. Okay. You know, and and plus willingness to move up. Yeah, and, and, good, and, and not, Risky. It's like we have a test process. We yeah. know, but we can apply it. Well, and, and blue green or whatever it is. I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm just again thinking it, it should be. Well, as the easy main thing is they are better understanding that they have the problem. It's very clear that they have a dependency and then they can fix it. And so, again, this is you know it becomes you know I'll talk. It's all, all these chores that are coming yeah. down, which is like, and it's, it's not really a chore in this case. It's <laughs> it's you should have a better understanding of the of the dependencies you use. And your company desperately needs to have a better understanding of the dependencies you use. I mean, if, if not right now, because they're not trading with the US government, but at some point, mm. they'll be trading with somebody who is. And, you know, so we've been saying, you need to start looking into this because this, this pressure to coming down on you to do better software engineering, really, because that's what it is. There's nothing real rocket science here. This It's just like, so I, yeah. And this also brings up, I, I, you mentioned you want um, centralized versions for the whole organization, which I think is a terrible idea because then nobody's going to move up and the whole organization's vulnerable. Oh, yeah. But also you want, like, uh, like okay, some organizations say, no, there's going to be, by fiat, we're going to control dependencies, frameworks, libraries, protocols, Java versions, everything is just by one central you know, yep. ministerial architecture group. Uh, and then the other side of it is like Netflix, where... Just do you do you, but you wear the pager, right? So we'll call you at three in the morning if something's wrong. Yeah. There's no I there's no DevOps team or whatever, some nonsense, yeah. nonsense like that where you can wake them up and they get called, right? Because you throw it over. So wall. that that model, they'd never those guys would never know about Log for J because nobody called them because they're the only ones that know that they've got a vulnerability. Which model? The uh... so the Netflix model. So if you build it and you support it, right, unless you're applying the right level of rigor and checking this stuff, mm. you're never going to know. Right. And yeah. I, there's a, but on the, other, on the other hand, you also have the freedom to like em, embrace these processes. So the people that are not naturally inclined to do the right thing will, yeah. will be victim of that. But then, you know, I tend to think individual groups move faster than large organizations just by definition, even within large organizations. If you have the autonomy, you're going to pull in everything you can to make it so you can go to bed on time, right? Yeah. And not worry about getting through the nights without being disturbed. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, is this are, is this is this need for legally mandated security? Uh, is that going to like put businesses in a posture where they need to have they rein in 
developers and they enforce well, that's, and that's that's the one of the big worries one of the big worries that everybody talks about is what are the consequences of having to have this level of lockdown and unfortunately the log for j thing got used as a great canonical example of how poor mm. software engineering you know, the java community i mean everybody because it was just an example across the board yeah. of how poorly we manage the simplest thing and we're not even the worst uh, yeah java, oh, no. yeah well, java space is great but it would be so, yeah. to, the, to java specifically yeah i think it would be good if we could like because they again a lot of people aren't going to know about this i don't even know i mean how many people are having this conversation yet you know I, I, even i was surprised just now to learn there's this uh, looming deadline uh to the extent that gradle and maven and, and other tools that are in the build pipeline yeah can eliminate or just automatically do it for you you know how what what things would need to be addressed if i like in five years if i upgraded maven and gradle and my docker tool will it just automatically be done for me or is there still more i need so to get involved in it's going to depend on whether we need to go to integrated s-bomb generation whether we need the tools to generate s-bombs because uh, i think that's 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 one level but honestly the way that we deal with this is we start going those build processes that you that you lovingly crafted become less and less yours and more and more standardized because that's an obvious way of controlling these things mm -hmm. it doesn't get in the way of developers you can still make all the choices you want but then you put your choices into a process that says yes you know and we've had a lot of luxury over the years about creating whatever build process we want the microeconomics are panning out though because platform engineering Right. I mean, effectively, that's the goal of a platform team is to yeah. standardize, but also to include the security. But the irony of all of this, in my mind, oh, we're going to be so locked down. It's like, well, actually, because to your point earlier about especially in open source dependencies with these vulnerabilities getting fixed pretty rapidly, what you want is to always be upgrading and to do that in yeah. an automated yeah. way. So, so the pipeline that I would envision, which is not rocket science either, and is exactly the kind of pipeline that they already have in a lot of these you know, savvy companies, right? We've got semantic versioning saying, let's just make it easy for log for for for, for J. Take 1.2.x, always 1.2.x, the newest version from log for J whenever you're doing a build. Continuously be building every time there's a commit and a merge. So merge, build, downloads the newest versions of the dependencies at that point, according to semantic versioning, if there is a new one. So it would have automatically downloaded log for J, whatever 1.2.17. Release it in a service mesh, right? In a in a canary release, let one percent of the visitors see the new version. Oh, it broke! Crap! You know, flip yeah. it back, right? Whatever it is, right? That that's yeah. that is basically the the DevSecOps pipeline, right? Yeah. And and what you're describing is the pragmatic thing that companies are going to rely on. So I don't want to be have responsible, but if there's a third party company that will take that on for me. Mm that you know, I buy them and they guarantee you know, that they won't provide things, they're responsible. And I can say, I know I, as a, the person in, in, who could you know, go to jail, can say, I, this company are the people I'm relying on. I am not shipping stuff unless they say it's clean. There's my- there's Identification my, effectively. But whoever would take on that business yeah. model, but too. I mean, so OpenLogic, when I was at OpenLogic, we tried this. We tried doing indemnification, not for vulnerability. Uh, this was more for if somebody got sued for misunderstanding the way they were supposed to adhere to a, to a particular like copyleft license or something like that, right? But we were going to indemnify them court costs up to a certain point. 
and we just could not make the business model work where it was like the the the, the fees in these things with the enterprise customers yeah. we were dealing with one indemnification case could have wiped us out mm. so yeah it's it's who who is going to be the entity that will step up and do that because we don't know because until these laws are actually in place and then they get tried in court we don't know yeah but but i also don't like the idea that we're creating a uh cottage industry around a new regulatory mm-hmm. practice that will benefit or or, or uh, advantage the ibms and not the little companies yeah. right they have the golf games and money to yeah it's an excellent point yeah it's an excellent point yeah i want to have to buy another thing from another vendor just well so software. yeah so then you start because the other option is you stop using open source. Right. No, thank you. Screw that. That's a terrible. Stop using open source. And then back in the box. you have no vulnerabilities. Yeah. Because nobody can report vulnerabilities on your binary, your you know, black box stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they, yeah. they it depends, right? I mean, it's been like there are commercial software platforms that have CDs yeah. listed. So you, and they never so get fixed. They linger for a year. Another business opportunity yeah. for people to take open source. Yeah. Fork it and turn it into a binary. I mean, it wouldn't be unprecedented. Look at FIPS Open SSL, right? Yeah. I mean, I can, I can, I could take, I don't know, Spring Framework, uh, fork it, change the names, and ship it, and it would never have a vulnerability. That anybody knew about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's always around this, you know. But yeah, so it's it's such early days. Wow. And and as I said, everybody is trying to figure out. Yeah, enormous conversations about policy because that's what it's about. How do we come up with a policy that will work? Because nobody wants to, nobody wants to stop the open source engine because it's because as I said, ninety percent of modern applications are open source because everybody relies on that enormous stack. So nobody wants to stop that. I mean, what a, the idea of uh, you can't okay. What's the alternative to Linux these days? Really? Yeah. <laughs> you just there's no way to do what you're saying. Like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're joking. We're being glib, people. You yeah. can't actually go closed source anymore. Free BSD. Yeah. Was just saying. That's open source. <laughs> yeah. But it's not Linux. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you, know, you, you think about this goes every piece of open source. So that's down to the open source in the routers. Yeah. yeah the whole thing. Even so, Intel has Minix in the chips. You yeah. See that? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's crazy. I saw what? that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and God knows what. I mean, Cisco's been putting all types of, you know, yeah. Apache and, yeah. and and permissive open source on their stuff for years. All of this are targets. Yeah. So of course. We have to be better at it. Oh. So S bombs are first. Uh, so even if I take my software and my chips are going to get me in trouble. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I could. We could tell you all sorts of wonderful stories about how compromised your oh speculative. Your, oh, yeah. Your hardware is. You know, sure. Yeah. Um, so the other thing is the there's a lot more than SBOTs coming. So there are even they were looking at uh, starting to mandate memory safe programming languages and things like that. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. You know, so so there's so there's a whole lot of, there's a whole there's a long list of how the bad guys do what they do, and it's like how do you shut the doors? Yeah. yeah. You know. I had a really interesting conversation with a guy named Soren who, who works for Bloomberg, but he's uh, he's on one of the security boards for the Apache Software Foundation. And we started a conversation that I would like to finish uh, that we just other stuff has happened. But we talked about people who are into builds, Gradle, Maven, Bazel, SBT, uh, NPM, CMake, all of these. We need to kind of get together and put together sort of an open build standards initiative. The idea would be, and you could you could build these same security compliance kind of regulations into them too. It's like we were we were thinking more functional things like 
you should have a build cache. If you're a build tool and you want to be open build tool standard compliant, you should have a build cache, right? You should be able to detect flaky tests. You should run a daemon instead of starting from scratch every time. Just things like that. Sounds quite familiar. Yeah. Hmm. You should be more like Gradle. So no. Um, or Basil. I could also say Basil. So, but but the idea then is that you would you would have uh, an open standard that's like, hey, you're gonna put a, put a build tool together. You should have these things. And I could see that being a natural place for some of this security mandate to live. Yeah. So. Oh uh, yeah. Have you tried? I, I was thinking about Dagger. Are you? You know, I I love GitHub Actions. Yeah, I love yeah. GitHub Actions. But Dagger is this uh, it's from Solomon Ike's the guy. Yeah, Docker, and it's like a GitHub Actions. It's an open source GitHub Actions. Yeah, you describe the whole pipeline, and you can use GraphQL. I never actually tried it before. I remember it's about it. pretty neat, it's cool. and it's it, but it's open source, and you can it, basically I can run it on my local machine. I can run GitHub Actions. It's not GitHub Actions. It's, but it's but similar, yeah. same idea, same yeah. scope. You could swap one for the other. I mean, GitHub Actions, uh, our unrestrained use of them, great, great, uh, a great opportunity for the backgrounds. Mm. Sure, but yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, all powerful things are right. It's it's. I know it's it's our unfettered use of these things. Sure, right. then, you know, because you say to somebody, oh, use GitHub Actions. Yeah, okay, so. What GitHub Action using? Oh, well, I found this this one that went right. You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's equivalent to still. I mean, what yeah. we do all the time, you know, downloading a shell script and yeah. executing it. Oh, oh. Even maybe central. I found this thing. I'll just generate as the whole. So yeah, but but the whole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me started. The number of things you get, people go, well, just cut and paste this, and, and oh. it's, you know, it's it's you know, bash, pseudo bash, yeah. blah blah blah. No, yeah. So no, no we don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but ultimately, though, I mean, I think it's going to have to come. I mean, if, if there's a standard and it's some type of, I mean, it's going to have to be open source because how else are people going to trust it? You know what I mean? Like, like if you have a closed source SBOM generator, I mean, you have no way of publicly third party and with zero trust validating that that software does what it's supposed to do. Well, I know, but you can also claim that if people build non-open source solutions, they are, you know, going to be safer than than the yeah. The problem is we have with the with the open sources, yeah. Ninety percent of your application is comes from open source, yeah. But that means that ninety percent of your application is shared with other people. Oh, I understand. So they but, are so but that's see that targets. That's but see now that's that paradox though yeah. too because Linus Torvald would would invoke many eyes at that point. Yeah. And say no. What you're actually dealing with is something that's more secure yeah. because you have more yeah. white hats looking yeah. at it and and, it and, and honestly, when we in in the scheme of things right now, Java, yeah, Log4j came out. Log4j was a vulnerability that was a based on an um, over enthusiastic design. Mm -hmm. right? So, and so Java is Java's better positioned because it's got you can't put packages up unless you're in the domain name. Whereas if and uh, you know and so the the controls are better. We have we have strong typing on stuff. So if you're in Python space or Node space, it's much worse. Oh yeah, because you anybody can publish anything. Well, you don't. I mean, at the very at the very least, you still have that abstraction from the rest of the operating system and that that's in the JVM. I mean, I know that yeah. that's getting grayer and grayer as we get yeah. further along, but 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 you still have that indirection that intercoupling. Yes, exactly. Still thing. So you download like a node, a node package. Yes. It's, it's good. It might have a, a package.json in it with a with a 
script to run. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 You know, and the main thing is you get you get typo squatting, you get dependency confusion, mm. you get all these types, different types of attack. And they're made easier because the ecosystem uh, allows them to happen. Yeah. And so when they're really easy, you get what we see now. So one of the Sonotype does, like in some of the other companies, but we is constantly looking for malware in these in these repos and we're constantly submitting takedown requests because you find all these bot generated packages it's just like millions and thousands is going to make it worse yeah oh yeah oh dear yeah because yeah. i mean you could have a whole bot just sitting there typo squatting on every freaking open source library ever and all it would have to do is generate oh, it's, they don't even they don't just type yeah. squat on uh, you're on open source code. Well, the other thing they do is that what they're looking for is the name of internal packages. Oh, sure. Because then they can put one up on yeah. the thing. Because most people, when they're downloading, <laughs> wow, right? Yeah. They download public first. So it's com.ibm yeah. authentication. Yeah. Uh, it's our stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you can't do that with Java because you have to do that. Yeah, right? sure. But other packages. Yeah, absolutely. It would be super easy to export yeah, that in the Edward Python. Yeah. So wait, okay, we gotta wrap it up on on that bombshell. Is there any good news? <laughs> the good news is developer productivity engineering will allow you to fail a lot faster. I saw I saw a fireship video the other week and the uh, closing admonition was, you know, uh, learn to mine <laughs> like this. We're all going to lose our jobs anyway. The AI is going to take over everything. Time to learn learn mining, learn basic skills. Yeah. I so I think that the <laughs> thing mining is, yeah. for coal, not yeah. cryptocurrency. The, the takeaway, because yeah. I mean, I think our talk is positive. Okay, yeah, it is. There is this stuff coming, right? And it's and it's coming. And you've had all your your development managers have said, don't do security testing stuff like that. Well, you're going to get told to do it. And if you actually start applying some of the security, um, some of the software engineering principles that you may have forgotten. And you start looking at more of the data that's available for making your choices. You can make better choices. You can be more productive and, and be safe. So if people wanted to learn more about this, what are some resources on the internet that you point people to, both of you? Oh, well, that's a good one. Well, obviously, you can come to sonatype.com. S-O-N-A-T-Y-P-E. Um, S-O, oh, don't you've got me. It's okay, Steve. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, that's probably the, the simplest thing. Uh, oh, just tap me up. Find me on LinkedIn or... Uh, next question. Yeah. Are you on the internet? I am on the internet. Do you want to be found? And if so, where can people find you? So my Twitter handle is at S-P-O-O-L-E-167. What's the 167? When I signed up for Twitter, I wanted spool. And they said no. And they gave me a suggestion. And one they gave me was 167. So I went, I'll have that. Because <laughs> why not? Sure. And that was, you know, we had only been going for five minutes. So yeah. I had no idea. And I never changed it since. It, if it works, it works. Yeah. Okay. Spool 167, S-P-O-O-L-E. Yeah. 167. Yeah. That's on the Twitters. That's on the Twitter. That's going to implode very soon, is what I'm told. Uh, what's, is no, it like? No, you signed that, up for the master no, value? Not yet. No. Yeah, okay. Fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, did you see they changed the, to Doge? There's a doge icon. I saw that. It's yeah. Is, is everything a joke? It's all a joke. It's all in fire. Okay. He's doing it all for the lulls. I'm telling you. And it's yeah. working, but also at the billionaire scale. What this? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, developer productivity engineering. Uh, the best source of information is at Gradle.com right now. That you can just Google that term. 
you will see that some other companies like like after really pushing this for a long time you're starting to see some other companies underneath this blanket terminology which is great that you know no secret that is really my mission it's not so much to push cradle enterprise we've got although it's a great product but we have sellers that can do that my job is really to proliferate uh, this notion of developer productivity engineering so if you want to learn more about that cradle.com we have a book com so, uh, dot com yeah dot com yeah and i would say we so the two other promos yeah what so we're at DevNexus. You're at DevNexus. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes, we are. For anybody who's coming to DevNexus, oh, oh, come to the booth because at some point this week, we're giving away. Sonotype booth. Sonotype booth. We are giving away free cocktails. Oh. Uh, I love free. We have two different cocktails. cocktails. We have two different cocktails. You do your booth, and I'll tell you what the name of the cocktails are. Yeah, for sure. So, well, we are, by the way, right next to each other at DevNexus, too, which is great. Yeah. So if you want to come see Sonotype, you can also see Gretel. We'll be right there. Steve and I are giving away coffee. I don't think one stop shop. We're giving away gum, actually. We decided to do gum. I go say his, yeah. yeah. We're doing, you know, we're doing two, two cocktails. One's called Bombshell. Ah, uh, yeah. Bombshell. Yeah. And the other one's called Dependent Dilemma. Oh, no. Yeah. One's, one's vodka and one's bourbon. Oh, yes. I'll and do yeah. a bourbon. Yeah. I'll have them both. Yeah. Uh, that's good because we have two. Yeah, well, we have so more than two. booth booths. booths. Uh, we have, we have our happy hour Wednesday. Yeah, tomorrow we're gonna do it uh, Der Beer Garden. Oh, we got a talk. We got our talk yeah. tomorrow. Tomorrow, one thirty, one thirty. Atlanta time. stream. So hurry up and fly here. Yeah, yeah, yep. um, get here. I saw somebody with some Chinese script in their names. That's probably uh, gonna be a bit of a flight. You but, could you be know, here in nineteen hours. You can make it. Yep, maybe you make it. But could be already. Could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I suggest it. Okay. Um, yeah. What else? I think that's pretty pretty much that's enough. We're gonna have some new stuff soon. We're building out a, a .org site for DPE. We're gonna be bringing in partners, signatories, all these things. So if you if this does resonate with you and you're like, yeah, I love this and I want to be in this space, reach out too because we have a whole bunch of exciting partner stuff that we're gonna be doing this year. So and then we actually have bandwidth to do it. It's not just me. So <laughs> all right, all right. Cool. Thank, Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. It always is. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you next stream. A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.